than our, our equity colleagues in terms of trying to find the very best companies. What we look for is something different, though, because the, the equity universe and the credit universe are, are quite different. Mm. Um, if we invest in a company, you know, like a tech company that, um, you know, is, is growing very, very quickly uh, and, you know, an equity investor might enjoy a big expansion in the multiple or a big rise in price. As bond investors, what we're mainly concerned about is, is the return of our capital. Uh, and the coupon. And how do you manage that? Because there are concerns, aren't there, over companies like Huarong Asset Management, Evergrande, that it could infect the whole uh, sort of corporate credit markets. Indeed, Peter. Here there be dragons. Uh, and that's why we are um, fundamental-based investors, because we like dispersion. We like the fact that there are these headlines, because oftentimes uh, the market can get carried away, the baby gets thrown out with the bathwater, and that presents opportunities for discerning uh, selection uh, to create uh, outperformance. Uh, so, you know, there's no doubt that with Huarong and Evergrande, you have two of the largest issues in the bond markets in both mm. investment grade and high yield. So investors have to pay attention, uh, but we think it creates opportunities. Okay, Alan, thanks very much for coming in. Great to talk to you. That's Alan Shell, who's Portfolio Manager at 91. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And in the markets, in the equity markets, the SX200 in Australia is off 0.6%. So is the Nikkei 225 in Japan. The Cosby is down about 0.2%. Uh, looks like the Hang Seng is going to open flat in about an hour's time. In the commodities markets, uh, Brent crude oil is trading at $74.67 a barrel. Gold is at $1,777 an ounce. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock in this holiday-shortened week here in Hong Kong for another Money Talk. Back chat's coming up after the news with Hugh Chiverton and Ada Wong. The weather forecast for today, sunny intervals and a few showers, isolated thunderstorms in the morning. The maximum temperature will be around 31 degrees. There will be sunny intervals and a few showers in the next couple of days and then very hot during the day over the weekend. It's 30 degrees right now, 82% relative humidity. It's 8.32. Samantha Butler has the half-hour news. Flights from Britain will be banned from midnight Wednesday after a number of arrivals from there tested positive for a mutated strain of COVID-19 in recent days. Britain reported a surge in new cases over the weekend to more than 18,000, most of them the highly contagious Delta variant. Joanne Wong reports. The Hong Kong government said the flight suspension mechanism was triggered after the number of passengers testing positive for mutated strains within a seven-day period reached its threshold. Hong Kong also classified the UK as an extremely high-risk area to stop people who have stayed in the country for more than two hours from flying to the SAR. The UK flight ban was lifted less than two months ago after it had taken effect late last year. Meanwhile, health authorities here have reported three new imported infections, but no local cases. The Fire Services Department says a fire broke out at a recycling site in Qingyi South just after 5.30 this morning. It says firemen are tackling the blaze at Qingyi Road and it advises nearby residents to keep doors and windows closed in case they're affected by fumes. Residents of the Australian city of Perth have been ordered to stay home for four days as the contagious Delta COVID variant spreads. There's only three positive cases, but local health officials have always been cautious. The largest current outbreak involving 130 people is in Sydney, which is locked down for two weeks. A small cluster at a gold mine also sent Darwin into lockdown. Facebook's stock market value has surpassed a trillion dollars after two major legal cases against the company were dismissed. Here's the BBC's David Willis.
Cases filed by the U.S. regulatory agency, the Federal Trade Commission, and the attorneys general of more than 40 states contended that Facebook stifled competition by acquiring its nascent competitors Instagram in 2012 and WhatsApp in 2014. But whilst the judge agreed that might have given Facebook a monopoly in the social networking market, he ruled the FTC had failed to prove that such a monopoly existed. He gave the commission a month in which to file a fresh complaint and dismissed the state's lawsuit on the grounds that they'd waited too long after the purchase of Instagram and WhatsApp to take the matter to court. The rulings prompted a 3% rise in Facebook's share price. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today is Ada Wong. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. Today more COVID-19 updates and the Aberdeen shelter blaze. The government will ban flights arriving from the UK, citing a rebound in coronavirus cases and the spread of the mutated variants there. The slight suspension will take effect from July the 1st. And Hong Kong's recently recorded two positive cases of a more contagious Delta variant. A 24-year-old woman who lives in Block 10 of the Taipo Centre was confirmed to have caught the virus from her colleague who worked part-time at customer services in Uptown Plaza in Taipo. Meanwhile, the vaccination rate here is on the rise, with officials predicting the local inoculation rate could reach 50% as early as August. And how are hotels coping with the ever-changing quarantine requirements? Can we ever live without COVID-19 infections, or should we learn to somehow live with them? Uh, let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk, or you can call us, and our number is 233-88266. That's 233-88266. And after 9.15, as I say, we're going to be discussing that fire in the uh, Aberdeen uh, Typhoon Shelter. Uh, it's uh, prompted calls for authorities to fix various long-standing structural problems in uh, our marinas around town. What are the issues? We'll be talking to uh, Southern District Councillor Paul Zimmerman on that later in the program uh, uh, as ever we want to hear from you and as ever you can join in by emailing backchat at rthk.hk we'll do our best to read out your messages but long ones may be edited um, and uh, also you can call us on 233-88266 or you can leave a message on our facebook page everyone can see it there that's backchat on rthk radio 3 joining us for our discussion now uh, we have uh, professor benjamin cowling head of the division of epidemiology and biostatistics at the school of public health at the university of Hong Kong, and Dr. Andrew Wong Tin Yao, who's a specialist in infectious uh, diseases. And we have a, uh, someone from a hotel uh, joining us uh, after the news at nine to concentrate on that particular aspect. Uh, we've got a bunch of emails um, related to um, yesterday's discussion uh, about, uh, the, uh, about the role of the police in the government uh, and so on. Maybe we'll uh, read those out after uh, nine o'clock so that we can get straight into our, our first topic today and uh, catch up on uh, what's been happening on the uh, the COVID front. Um, Professor Cowling, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much indeed for, for joining us. So uh, the ban on uh, on UK flights uh, from Thursday, do you think that's wise? What do you make of that? Uh, it, it matches the criteria which has been set, which is if a certain number of people come in who've got the variant, then, then the flights are shut down for a short period of time. I wonder whether it's a particular issue with the types of tests that were used before departure 
And what I think may have happened, I don't know for sure, but what I think may have happened is some people may have done their pre-departure test with a certain type of test that's done in the UK that shows whether or not you're contagious. It doesn't necessarily show up if you've already recovered, but still shedding the virus. And then when those people landed in Hong Kong, we're using the more sensitive test here, which then shows they're positive for the virus, most likely already recovered, no longer contagious. Most likely they're just going to be in the hospital for a day or two and then discharged. Um, but, but because of the test that was being used but is no longer used before departure, uh, called a lateral flow assay. So that may be the specific problem because the instance in the UK is actually very low right now. But uh, how do you make of this um, Delta variant? Is it actually uh, more serious than the other yes, COVID it, variants? It, the, the infection itself is not probably not more serious than other coronavirus infections, but it spreads faster. So the R number for the original virus back in Wuhan was two to three. Uh, the alpha variant was up above, above three, actually. And now the delta variant is probably above five. So that means if it gets loose in a community, it can spread very fast and it's very difficult to contain. So we really don't want delta infections in the community in Hong Kong. Uh, it would be more difficult to to stop than, than the viruses in the past year. Um, but it's, it's prevalent not only in the UK, in Europe, and it's increasing in prevalence in other parts of the world as well. Uh, within a few months, I would guess it would be prevalent everywhere in the world. Sorry, are you suggesting then that the, the, the positive test would reveal, could reveal that people have been exposed to the virus or even been vaccinated? Uh, rather than that there are risk? No, I think we, we've seen quite a number of times recently that people have come into Hong Kong and then they've tested positive with our PCR test and they've actually recovered already and they're shedding the virus after they've recovered. And I think with the UK cases in the last few days, I think some of those would have been recovered cases who maybe weren't... Are, are they still a risk then? Are they no, so they're not a risk. They don't pose a risk to Hong Kong, no. So, they're so they recovered. shouldn't be banned? Well, no, but because according to the criteria, that's the criteria that's used to, to ban flights, is if you have a certain number of people testing PCR positive with this particular variant, then the flight gets banned. And that's not only been a, a problem for the UK. I think Indonesia was also banned recently, and maybe other places will be banned as well. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just the rules that we have in place. But the implication is that they're inappropriate because, they, because then these people will not spread the disease. I think we've got to distinguish people that, that come in that are shedding virus, which is no longer contagious. It's dead virus versus people that actually pose a risk to Hong Kong. And most likely, given the low level of incidence in the UK, it doesn't pose a major risk to Hong Kong to have people coming in from the UK and serving 21 days in quarantine, remember. Um, so I think the quarantine is, has been working. Actually, 21 days may even be too long, but it's been working. And I, I'm worried that we will have introduction of infection into the community here sooner or later, maybe not because of the, the people coming in and staying in quarantine, but through some other way. Like in, in uh, Guangzhou, we just recently saw the outbreak at, the, at the, the terminal, the shipping terminal, right? And there were other loopholes as well. There's the, the, the people who are exempt from quarantine who can come in and bring in an infection. And we just, um, we just reported some research results last week that the third wave and fourth wave were all caused, all those infections, thousands and thousands of infections were all caused by just a handful of introductions, just a very small number of introductions that took hold. And then many, many other introductions never, never spread. So it's, it's uh, really if, if one virus gets in and has a, a bit of success, it can, it can cause a large outbreak. So um, does it mean that we could have different sorts of tests um, you know, at the airport? 
um, to distinguish what you said about the dead virus and other life viruses? Yeah, the, well, the other thing we can do is the antibody testing. Mm. So that's a separate kind of test which has been proposed. And if someone's testing positive for the virus, but also positive for antibodies, they're unlikely to be contagious at that point. And that was the justification for shortening quarantine for people that had positive antibodies. Uh, the type of test used in the UK is, is more like a rapid test sometimes. It's a little bit less sensitive, but it really does show up people that are highly contagious. And so people could test negative on that. But then when they arrive in Hong Kong, they will use a more sensitive test and then it's positive. But, but those people are unlikely to be contagious. Mm. Also with us today is Dr. Andrew Wong Tin Yao. Dr. Wong, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. Uh, what, what do we know about the, uh, the uh, uh, variant, the Delta variant? And, and what do you make of this uh, decision uh, to uh, ban flights from the UK? now is uh, this uh, variant is uh, much more infectious, uh, about 60% uh, more infectious than the alpha uh, variant, which is uh, uh, the previous variant in um, uh, first found in UK. And, um, and it's, al it's already uh, much more uh, uh, infectious than the original Wuhan uh, uh, strain. And that's why um, this uh, uh, variant uh, is the uh, Would the low mortality rate be related to, you know, many, many people uh, being vaccinated already? And so, therefore, you know, although this variant can spread more easily and supposedly uh, those vaccinated um, won't, won't get it. Is that right? Uh, there were some, of course, we know that uh, present vaccines are not 100 percent. That means uh, still, even if you are vaccinated, there are bound to be some people who are uh, uh, affected. But uh, for example, for the Delta variant, uh, there's a paper coming out from UK last month, uh, which uh, stated that um, the protection after two doses of mRNA vaccine is uh, up to 88%. So uh, the protection is uh, still good, I would say, uh, especially for severe disease. And, um, but the, thing, the thing is, uh, if uh, the, the, the virus, um, the, the variant, uh, is causing um, um, <clears throat> uh, increase in the um, uh, infectiousness, and then um, more and more people uh, may get infected, and, uh, and then the, the chance of having a mutation in the uh, community will also increase. 
and that will also increase the uh, future mutation coming up. What are the lessons from, from the spread of this? Because we've already seen two cases in, in, in Taipo. Um, what should we be looking out for then, or what should we conclude from that, that situation, Dr. Wang? Um, I'm really concerned about uh, this incident uh, because um, uh, these two people, uh, they, although they are working in the same place, uh, but uh, they might not you know, uh, get the, the virus from um, each other. Uh, instead, uh, there might be other people, uh, other generation of spread in between, uh, which means uh, there might be uh, some uh, people in the community who may catch the virus, um, um, and then they, they will uh, still spreading the virus around. And uh, that just that just that they uh, do not show up, you know, because uh, this uh, virus, you know, the, the, the symptoms may not be very uh, prominent. Uh, people may not come up for the uh, uh, checkup, and um, that will, you know, maybe one of the reservoir uh, of the spread. Um, yeah. Do Do you think that the shopping centre should have been closed down, or do you think it's okay for it to continue operating? I think, um, given that there are so many people who have been uh, um, been to this uh, shopping centre in that few days. Uh, it might be difficult, but I think of a very uh, broad uh, disinfection and cleaning to the center is uh, needed, I think, um, to protect the uh, profit. Uh, again, there was a lockdown, I think, on, on Sunday night of um, the, the, the building or the area where one of these cases uh, lived, and no further cases were were found there. That seems to be, com very happens very commonly, doesn't it, that they, they do these lockdowns and they don't find anyone. Um, any thoughts on that? Uh, that's what I, I thought always. Um, yeah, uh, why, because, why is that? Because you'd think that there'd be a strong likelihood. They even find traces in the sewage and, and, and so on, and they sort of give the impression that they're quite confident they're going to catch more cases, and then it seems like most of the time they don't. Because uh, people who get the impression may not get it from the place where they live. Mm. That's why I, I, I think, you know, because they, obviously a, a, a person can be uh, go to many places, to workplace, to a place of restaurants and other places of recreation, etc. And then they may catch it elsewhere instead of from where they live. You know? And so uh, I, I, it comes as no surprise to me uh, that uh, uh, the virus is not found. From from what you know, you know from all these journals, um, is this Delta variant uh, more asymptomatic than um, uh, previous variants? Uh, it seems to be yes. Uh, it seems to be uh, they are more. Uh, Sorry, Doctor Wong, we're losing you. Uh, yeah, there you go. Be, yeah, uh, they are more uh, asymptomatic uh, cases, and uh, patients are more uh, have more mild symptoms, and uh, also uh, uh, lower viral loads are needed to infect uh, a patient. You know, um, for example, a previous uh, maybe one tenth of the dose of the virus is needed to infect a person. That's why, and then the patient can also uh, shed the virus longer because they are uh, more uh, asymptomatic. Okay, some uh, comments. This is a question addressed to uh, Professor Cowling. Uh, Matthew says, to be clear, if Professor Cowling's opening statement is correct, it seems like the current criteria is not appropriate, and as a result, the decision to ban flights from the UK is a massive overreaction. Is that correct? If so, what should change? Uh, 
No, they, they, they put the rules some, some time ago, actually, to say that if you have a certain number of cases that test positive on arrival uh, with the variant, then they're going to ban the flights. So according to that criteria, the UK met, met the requirements for a flight ban. Um, my, my statement was that those people coming in, although they're testing positive for the variant, they're likely to be not contagious, not posing a risk to Hong Kong. So in the future, we could look at different criteria for whether or not flights should be banned from particular places. And we can also trust the quarantine system that if people are coming in, even if they're positive, even if they're infected, but not yet positive, they're going to be picked up in the quarantine. Um, and sooner or later, we're going to have to stop using quarantine anyway. I can't imagine in five years or 10 years time, we're still going to be having quarantine of people coming into Hong Kong. So there's a time limit to quarantine. Um, my guess is once we get above 70% vaccine coverage, then that will be it. There's no further need for quarantine. And actually Singapore, the Singapore government just came out with a very interesting statement along those lines, that once the coverage gets above 70%, then they're going to change the and say uh, they're no longer fighting COVID to keep it to zero. They're going to, to allow small numbers of cases in the community. They're not going to make such a big fuss anymore. No quarantines, no strict restrictions on anybody. And if you haven't yet been vaccinated, you can still go and get vaccinated. And if you're not worried about COVID, then that's great. And let's get on with our lives. OK, we still have sceptics. Paul in Taipo says, Backchat, this is never ending. It's like seasonal flu, isn't it? In a coronavirus story, The Guardian actually cited the term New World Order and attaches a, a, a link to a story from The Guardian newspaper, Coronavirus, who will be winners and losers in the New World Order. Paul says, my Alex Jones was actually right. Penny jar is almost overflowing, says uh, Paul, who has a very small jar. Alango says, I understand the flight ban required for A1 countries, but it doesn't make sense to ban the vaccinated travellers as well. Why can't the government allow the flights only for vaccinated A1 countries with 14 days quarantine? Uh, and um, Ted on Facebook says, if in Hong Kong, when you have COVID, you are released from hospital after negative COVID test and positive antibodies test, why are travellers having to quarantine at all with the same results uh, on uh, arrival? And uh, Kim says, as Professor Cowling said, the variants are going to be everywhere soon. Come on, Hong Kong people, get vaccinated. Do you want to end up with a proper lockdown, which you've been lucky enough not to have experienced? After two doses of the mRNA vaccine, we are at least 80% protected against most, if not all, variants. Please do the right thing, and let's hope the Hong Kong government also updates their approach to handling COVID. That comes from uh, Kim. Dr Wong, do you think it would be appropriate to have different rules for vaccinated people and unvaccinated people coming from uh, any country? Uh, <coughs> uh, so, uh, yes, I think so. I, I think uh, it's very uh, reasonable that uh, if a vaccinated person, uh, if he has uh, neutralized an antibody already, uh, at least certain uh, of these uh, restrictions can be uh, uh, lower uh, than the, to facilitate the um, um, uh, at least, I mean that at least there will be some difference be, be between the, uh, uh, unvaccinated people and unvaccinated person. And if we can prove that uh, he has uh, neutralized antibody, uh, he is uh, uh, protected. You know, and then although there may be a rare case of uh, uh, people uh, getting infected in that case, but still uh, uh, it's a, a matter of uh, risk management, right? I'm just wondering how it is done, you know, uh, on the ground. Uh, for example, if someone bought uh, a flight in, in London, so they have to do the antibodies check uh, in London first or, or you know, when, when they arrive? 
，得出嚟。誒 ，either way， 啊 ，I think 啊 ，either 佢 do it 誒 ，now some sort of accredited lab， 誒 ，in either in UK or on arrival， if some of these antibody can be done like a point of care test， and then maybe it can also be done when they arrive in Hong Kong， so that we know whether they possess antibody。So we can do the triaging, so as to say, uh, to um, you know uh, uh, help with the entrance to Hong Kong to safely. Uh, uh, Professor Cowling, um, you know, in the next month or so, I know a lot of families whose uh, children are coming back for, for the summer holidays from the UK. Now they can't. Uh, uh, just looking at it from from a layperson's point of view, you you know, people have said that um, you know children are actually. Um, they they don't you know, they they won't be so you know in, uh, easily infected as elderly people, and if they are vaccinated, uh, is there a stronger case of, for these kids to come back and and be with their families? Uh, we're still vulnerable to COVID because the vaccination coverage in Hong Kong is not that high so far. We're still below twenty percent fully vaccinated, so even though children are a lower risk, they're still a risk. So I, I think we still have to be cautious right now. But if they're fully vaccinated, that's a minimal risk. And actually, I, I would support reduced or even no quarantine for fully vaccinated people. If I could just clarify one of the points that Hugh read out earlier, it was not quite correct. So that the statement was that you read out, Hugh, if a person is in hospital and they test negative for the virus and positive for antibodies, they can be discharged. Actually, that's not the requirement. They need to have shown they've recovered from the infection. And positive for antibodies, even if they're still shedding virus, they can be discharged. There's plenty of patients have been discharged in Hong Kong who are still positive for the virus at the point of discharge, with low level of virus not judged to be contagious. And there's never been any recorded transmission from any of those discharged cases who still test positive on dis on discharge. Sorry. So that's that's an important thing to note because at the moment when people come into Hong Kong, if they're positive for the virus and positive for the antibodies, like some of these cases would be from the UK just recently. They're, they're now it's a big panic, but actually, if they would, in, if they've been in hospital in Hong Kong, they'd just be discharged. Yeah, on the vaccination rate, it's getting conflicting messages, as you say. the The official rate is just under twenty percent. I'm just looking mm. at it. it's eighteen point eight or something for people who are fully vaccinated. But then at the weekend, we had um, the Secretary for Food and Health, Sophia Chan, uh, saying that uh, the inoculation rate could reach. Uh, 50%. She said if we keep this up, there's a chance for us to see a vaccination rate of beyond 50% by August or September. So that would be a, that would be twice as many people getting vaccinated have already been vaccinated within it, the next it's month. It's picked up in the last few weeks. It's picked up, mm. the vaccination rate. Uh, and there's still a lot of people that are interested to get vaccinated but are still waiting and thinking about it. And as more and more people get vaccinated and as it seems to be going fine, then I think we will see more and more people still choosing to get vaccinated who haven't got vaccinated yet. And there's also these incentives that have come out. A lot of businesses are encouraging their employees to get vaccinated with special incentives and rewards and, and uh, leave and whatever. So I think there's still space for the vaccination rate to increase. What I'm not sure is how we're going to get above 50%, above 55%, which is where we're heading right now by the end of September, I would say, because we need to go higher. We need to go above 70%. And what's the policy on elderly now? Uh, still very few elderly have been vaccinated, as mm. far as I know. I don't know if Andrew Wong has, has updated statistics, but as far as I know, elderly homes are still not 
accepting vaccinations. Elderly are not, in general, being vaccinated. They're worried about whether it's safe for them to be vaccinated because of their health conditions. But it's uh, they're usually the number one top priority group. And in other parts of the world, coverage is above 90%. Yeah, Do- Dr. Wong, why is that? Why are we the opposite of many other places where they where the priority was, uh, was elderly? They seem to be bottom of our priority list. My observation of many elderly who comes to come to the clinic is mm. that uh, they are very worried about the side effects and uh, their uh, health conditions that they have. You know that which might be impacted by the um, vaccines. They are the major worry. And then actually, I think uh, the government has uh, told the uh, elderly that uh, if they can have uh, the flu vaccination, which uh, will be safe for them to have the COVID vaccination. I think. Uh, I, I, But there's no particular effort, is there? There's no kind of focused uh, effort by the administration to to encourage old people, it doesn't seem? Uh, There were some publicities, you know. Mm -hmm. I I think um, the major thing is uh, uh, many of these uh, elderly, they um, need some sort of uh, health assessment. Some of them, they are being seen in the uh, uh, government clinic or, or hospital authorities. And then they may not, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the follow-up uh, time may not uh, coincide with the time of vaccination. So that's say they cannot ask the doctors about the health conditions. Maybe uh, there should be some sort of uh, provision for them to um, inquire about their queries uh, on their health conditions so that they will be more relieved and that they will feel more confident to get the vaccine. Okay, uh, just before we break uh, for the news, a message from Mike. Uh, Yes, that Mike, uh, who says, if you don't continue to hype up every last case of COVID, the population may forget about it and stop getting vaccinated. What a shame. Here, living in Northern California, I didn't know he's in California, the heat wave is a refreshing change from the COVID hysteria. Maybe I should be worried about global warming. Now, turn off the TV, turn on the fan and grab another cold drink. Thinking of you all in Hong Kong, I'll be back when the quarantine situation becomes more rational or even scientific. Maybe scientific is too much to ask for. That comes uh, from Mike. Enjoy your time there. Uh, No hurry, Mike. The weather, sunny intervals and a few showers. Isolated thunderstorms this morning, uh, maximum 31 degrees today. Sunny intervals and a few showers in the next couple of days. Very hot during the day over the weekend. The latest reading is 30 Celsius. Relative humidity is now at 81%. Our correspondents say the ruling will lead to more demand to reform the antitrust law in the United States. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Backchat on a Tuesday morning with Ada Wong and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking about aspects of uh, COVID. Uh, I've neglected to say goodbye and thank you to uh, Dr. Wong in the first part of the programme. Thank you very much. Andrew Wong is is a specialist in infectious uh, diseases at the uh, Chinese University, also a a clinical clinical, uh, expert, clinical professor. Um, We're joined uh, now by Mark Hedinger. He's the acting COO at uh, Overlo uh, Hotels to talk about the... uh, Situation facing the hotels. Still with us is uh, Professor Benjamin Cowling, head of the Division of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the School of Public Health at the University of Hong Kong. If you've got a question for him, uh, probably your best bet is to call us up, 233 talk to him uh, directly, or you can, failing that, of course you can uh, email backchat.rthk.hk or comment on our Facebook page. I did say we were going to have some of the uh, emails related to yesterday's uh, discussion. 
uh, and um, maybe a couple from Facebook, uh, where Bruce says, RTHK renamed RTBJ or RTCH sooner than you think, or unfortunately just disbanded. Uh, Bruce says, or China National Radio Hong Kong branch. Sorry, that's TC says that, uh, or China National Radio Hong Kong branch. Francis says, uh, this is in relation to uh, yesterday's discussion about changes in the government. Uh, Your discussion was excellent and a cause for optimism. So interesting that I listened again to the podcast. Uh, It was very helpful to to hear from his former boss that the new chief secretary is intelligent and honest that he's not from the traditional AO background may well prove to be a great advantage it's really up to him to rise to the occasion and act like the chief operating officer in a company i.e. the person who gets the machinery of government driven and motivated to achieve ambitious goals the idea of the AO generalist was no doubt relevant to the circumstances when it was created but was abandoned by business decades ago today is the age of the expert and it's striking that at the top levels of government one rarely meets people who really know their subject. Uh, it becomes clear they are speaking to a brief because once the conversation gets beyond their brief they can make little contribution. Organisations do need people who can look beyond their expertise and see the big picture but the starting point is deep expertise in something. We all want Hong Kong to grow, prosper and make a great contribution to the Greater Bay Area and beyond. It will be very helpful to begin converting generalists into active imaginative experts. Let's hope the new, S, new CS sees the need to do things differently. We should wish him well and just Judged by results. That's from Francis. Uh, Jim H says, I'm sorry, Backchat, but your attempt to portray Hong Kong as a police state is unfair. Under British occupation, the special branch of that era exhibited behaviours of a police state enforcement authority. They are gone. Please make clear to your listeners the difference between special branch practices under British occupation and the governance of the current SAR administration. I'm sure your permanent residents holding British residents will recall the special branch of the occupying police force that's from uh, jim h mary says upon his appointment as a commissioner of police raymond sue said quote but i hope everyone will move forward unquote but how can we move forward when the police continues to treat members of the public like cretins again the same old public health excuse has been trotted out to justify a refusal to grant approval for a public assembly on july the first uh, quote the police have reasons to believe that holding the activities would not just increase the risk to participants and other citizens getting infected it would also pose great threats to the lives and health of all citizens, the force said in its rejection letter. But last Saturday, hundreds of fans were allowed to assemble on the small open piazza beside the one in Chimsa Choi for two hours during a Vitasoy promotion event. Some officers did not show up for ten minutes or so and cleared a space on the tightly packed forecourt, but then they disappeared and returned only when the event was concluding. So, evidently, a tightly packed cheering crowds are no problem when the gathering is for commercial purposes. These events take place all over the city and are blind eyes turn to potential risks particularly now the very contagious delta strain is making inroads in the community the proposed march on the other hand would have been on the open road with adequate spacing between participants the commissioner should come clean and tell the truth that in a public assembly where participants might voice out dissatisfaction with the government will no longer be tolerated uh, in this city there can be no moving forward while the community is fobbed off with fabrications and mendacity. That's from Mary. Martin B. says, Regular listeners to your programme were stunned that Alice Mack deigned to make an appearance yesterday. But of course this was nothing more than a charm offensive. To state that the turning of Hong Kong into a police state is a positive mood was not a wise disclosure in an election year. Even some of the blue camp have expressed disquiet at this direction. She she sounded peeved when her girlish pitch was sidetracked. It appears that only the need to remedy an indiscretion will lure our legislators 
on the air these days. That comes uh, from Martin B. And uh, Matthew says um, there was a kind of weird vibe in the Alice Mack discussion yesterday. It seemed like whatever Mike Rouse said to or asked Alice, she replied in a purring, angelic, honeyed tone. But the minute Hugh opened his mouth, she fiercely barked at him not to interrupt her. Any backstory or history here? Would be great if Alice could come on with a bit of notice and when the phone lines are open, we'd love to have a chat with her. That is uh, from Matthew. Um, on Back on uh, today's uh, main topic... Uh, Jim H says in, in America and Europe, unqualified commentators are allowed to second guess or question health officials' mandates at the serious risk to the general public. This action uh, is unwise. And uh, Mark says, question for today's Backchat discussion, assuming we get to 50% or more vaccinated by September, the plan was then to be able to reduce restrictions and open up Hong Kong. However, the vaccination rates of our most vulnerable groups are far less, just 5% of 80-plus years old. I'm not sure where you get that figure from. Uh, and uh, 30% of care home staff. How can we open up with these vulnerable groups still unprotected? By comparison, the UK has vaccinated more than 90% of their 80-plus-year-olds and 80% of care home staff. It seems to me we need to concentrate all our resources now on vaccination for those elderly groups and those caring for them. Uh, that's from Mark. And uh, finally, Jay says, somewhere along the line, I don't think we've been told the truth because there are many people in Hong Kong with respiratory problems caused by construction dust, but I've never been to a doctor yet. Who The first thing he has done is got his stethoscope out. And most doctors can't give you a straight answer. In the end, the decision is up to you. But eventually those who do not or cannot have vaccinations will be discriminated. That's from Jay. Once again, I email backchat at rthk.hk. Mr. Hediger, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for, for, for joining us. So, so you approached us, I, I think, uh, the, uh, the, the hotels, um, uh, w you know, wanting to uh, express, I think, uh, some of the frustration that uh, you and perhaps the industry have, have been uh, experiencing with these with this changing in, in, in arrangements. W w what is the situation now? Um, what, what are the problems facing you and, and the hotel industry? The situation is that this COVID uh, case is, uh, is a, a constantly changing climate worldwide, obviously, but in, in particular in Hong Kong as well in regards to who can fly in, how many days you can fly in, etc., etc., and precautions are taken, restrictions are made, and guidelines are there. But unfortunately, these things come out, uh, uh, they're announced, and then the policy is lacking behind for a week, for instance, which means, you know, we sort of on a holding pattern uh, whereby we need to act fast because the room demand is so big, especially over the summer vacation when people actually from Hong Kong are leaving Hong Kong to come back because they can now qualify for seven days instead of 21 days quarantine. So it's a different business model if you want over this summer period. And uh, we, we just wish that, you know, the authorities would talk to the experts in the field in regards to room demand, in regards to the requirements, etc. Because, uh, you know, we've also offered another hotel out of our four hotels besides our Southside Overlaw. Um, the, the Hong Kong community trusts our Overlaw hotels and, and uh, you know, Hong Kong loves Overlaw. We, we love Hong Kong community. We've even come up with a homecoming project for one dollar to bring people okay we don't we do, this, this can't be an advert <laughs> yeah, yeah okay sorry yeah. Uh, uh, okay uh, w i mean what what would you say to the government then what what was what would the message be from the industry well, that you'd want the, to put across the, if they asked you yeah the, 
the, the best would be really to have some of the designated hotels, as we are called, or the hotel association experts on some panels of, you know, the Department of Health and the authorities that make these policies, etc., so that we are consulted and we can talk about it. One clear one was opening uh, windows is not allowed anymore. They have to be sealed, you know. So everybody went around who had windows that opened that, that need to be sealed were sealed within a month's time. And then uh, last week or two weeks ago, the policy came out, oh, windows cannot be sealed anymore according to building ordinance, you know, and, and stuff like that, which is, is aggravating and time-consuming and costly too. Um, what, what about the fact that, uh, you know, flights from UK uh, are banned? Uh, and uh, I'm quite sure that you have got a lot of reservations uh, from well, the UK, yes. but, but now they can't come back. So what, what is happening there? That, that is another thing. For instance, you know, it's, uh, it's announced last week that UK uh, people need to quarantine from 14 to 21 days, right? And almost three days later, flights are banned. So why not just make the, the, the policy or, or the announcement right away? Because obviously what we did in the meantime is find over 60 people from UK rooms that had to be extended from 14 to 21 days. So again, you know, it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of um, administration that goes into it, which we are happy to do, and which we manage. But at the same time, you know, if, if this is the case, then why not come out with it right away? Are, are the hotels full up in Jan in July, basically? That's Actually, everybody's booked out till the end of September because, as I mentioned, it's a different business model over the summer vacation, and especially now with seven-day potential quarantine for Hong Kong residents returning with their families, it, it, it is incredible. You cannot find a room, and there's not enough mm. hotels, I believe, on the list. Okay, uh, our number is two three three eight eight two six six. We've got a caller on the line now. I think uh, it's a Jim. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'd like to like, make my case for the uh, Hong Kong government doing away with uh, um, what do you call it, mandatory quarantine for certain people. Um, I'm considered by the Hong Kong government to be elderly. I'm sort of like eighty years old. Um, I've, uh, in July of 2020, I tested seven times, and I was in America, and I tested seven times in an attempt to book a flight back to Hong Kong for December of 2020, which I finally got to do. Uh, when I returned on the 22nd of December, I did three weeks quarantine, um, and I was released on the 10th of January in 2021. Well, I, um... I went back to America in March of 21, so I did a test here in Hong Kong, uh, which was negative to re-enter America again. Uh, I was tested in May of 21. Well, no, no, no. I was vaccinated two times in uh, May of 2021, and I returned to Hong Kong on June the 15th of 2021. I was tested two times in Los Angeles prior to boarding a flight to come to Hong Kong. I was tested twice upon arrival in Hong Kong on the, on the well, I think it was the 15th or something like that. Um, and then I was placed in quarantine for two weeks. I was tested on the 18th, the 27th, uh, 22nd, and the 27th.
and I'll be released today on the 29th after two weeks quarantine. The Hong Kong government is wasting a room that they say they require. It's, it's sort of irrational to me that I've done five weeks of quarantine at all negative, and they don't realize that I, it's unnecessary to put me in this quarantine. It's also a waste of my money and my funds. So why don't they say this guy is he's got a record here in Hong Kong. He's been negative tested. We don't have to waste put him in quarantine. I mean, if all these tests are negative, I've been vaccinated two times in May of 2021. Why don't somebody in the health authority say, well, this is a guy who don't need to be quarantined or we are quarantining for a week. Okay. Professor County? That's fine. Yeah, yeah I, I, I've said before that I think people who've been fully vaccinated should have no quarantine or I'd be OK with a shorter period of quarantine as well. But I think actually no quarantine would be quite appropriate right now. Um, the fact that you've tested negative for the virus in the past doesn't necessarily mean that you're not infected today. Uh, those historical tests were, were important at the time. But but uh, you, I was you could, tested on the 27th. Yeah. So if you've been infected just before departure, you could have been incubating the, the infection and only testing positive. Now that's a risk, but I think it's unlikely in your case because you've been fully vaccinated. So I, I tend to agree with you that, that long periods of quarantine are really not necessary. Um, but still, because in Hong Kong we have such a low vaccine coverage in the community, we're still vulnerable to COVID. And if the infection does get into the community, it's going to spread. It's going to cause a lot of people to be sick. And uh, earlier on, there was a comment about how COVID is like flu. It's not like flu. I've never, ever heard of any flu season in the world uh, causing hospitals to run out of oxygen. But that's happened in Brazil. It's happened in India. Um, so that, that there's there's a, a, an order of magnitude difference between COVID I, and flu. Um Yep. Personally, I wouldn't object to a one-week quarantine. It's just that somebody in the health authority has to be realized that maybe they're wasting a lot of rooms and that they don't need to. Okay. So they should take a look at what they're doing, just slapping two weeks quarantine on the people. Okay, Jim, many thanks for your, for your call, 233 Another caller off air, Ian, has a question for Professor Cowling. Uh, given the government used four months to introduce reintroduce flights from the UK, what are the metric stroke measurements for the government to reintroduce flights? To reintroduce flights? I don't know the metric to reintroduce flights because the, the issue is they stop flights when there's a certain number of positive cases with the variant. But after the flights are stopped, there's no there's no way to know what would have been happening when the flights have been stopped. You can just look at the the situation in the source country like the United Kingdom. And right now, because they're starting to relax their restrictions, uh, the Delta variant infections are likely to be going up over the summer, unfortunately. So if, if we're suspending flights now, I can't imagine that they'll be back anytime soon. Uh, I hope it won't be as long as four months, but I feel bad for the people that have left going to on holiday to the UK or the, the kids that have been in boarding school in the UK and now want to come back for the summer holidays and they're not going to be able to. Uh, that, that's really unfortunate. Okay. Uh, MT says, um, authorities talk to the experts. That is the prayer of the vast majority. Uh, Non-medical aspects are being run by and overseen by doctors. I would not tell the doctor how to do his job, bring in industry experts and listen to them. That's from uh, MT. I guess he's enjoying, uh, agreeing with uh, you, Mr. Hediger. Um, uh, Nick says, good morning. Would Professor Cowling please clarify if he supports those with vaccinations and positive antibody tests avoiding quarantine, even if total Hong Kong vaccination rates are still below 70 percent? Yeah, I've said it before many times. I, I would actually support zero quarantine for people who are fully vaccinated with antibodies because they pose a minimal risk. And I think having that policy in place would be safe. And it would also stimulate higher vaccination coverage so that the whole of Hong Kong is safer sooner. OK, uh, 
John says, please encourage your expert and in inverted commas speakers to think about what they're saying to the public. When they say things like even after vaccination, 8% of people still get COVID, ask them how many of those are serious cases or even symptomatic. If a person gets a breakthrough case after vaccination but has no or very mild symptoms, that is significant from a public health perspective because they could potentially be contagious, but it's not significant from the point of view of most individuals who go about their lives as normal. But when the doctors spout unmodulated public health statistics, it contributes to deterring people from going to get vaccinated and leads them to believe that, well, the vaccines are not that effective anyway. So far from contributing to a positive solution, citywide vaccination, the doctors contribute to vaccine hesitancy, irrational fears of risk and general popular hysteria. Stop it now. Professor Cowling? Uh, that wasn't me that said eight um, percent. Right, it, there's there's been a number of cases recently. I think in in the people that came into Hong Kong and also in Singapore, fully vaccinated people getting infected, and in all those cases, they've been very very mild infections or even asymptomatic. The only reason we know about them is because we're doing such aggressive testing. If we weren't looking, we wouldn't notice them. And actually, I don't think they pose a particular risk to the community. Those cases are unlikely to be very contagious. Uh, and in the future, we wouldn't we wouldn't even pay attention to them. We wouldn't be looking for them. We wouldn't be isolating them we wouldn't be be uh, contact tracing and quarantining their contacts etc but right now because we're on high alert then that's happening mm. okay. but, but uh, re relaxing relaxing quarantine will boost vaccination rates you think I would have thought so when we've done our surveys in in recent months of the community's perceptions towards vaccination the number one criteria that people say would make them change their mind and choose to get vaccinated is having a reduction in the quarantine requirements whether it's travel quarantine or the close contact quarantine having a relaxation of that for fully vaccinated people would would make a difference would make a big difference the second most um, desirable policy change would be for schools to go back to full day schools mm. um, if if there was some something to do with vaccination for that either kids or teachers being being fully vaccinated okay and a couple more well, one more comment this is from uh, LP uh, who says dear back chat here's a story which should help the elderly to feel more comfortable about being vaccinated my parents were both vaccinated in France several months ago they've had both doses my mum is 88 years old and has advanced Alzheimer's my dad is 91 years old nearly 92 and still goes on a treadmill for 25 minutes a day neither of them had much of a had much of a sore arm let alone any reactions to the vaccinations the reactions from my parents were very similar to so many of their friends of similar ages. The result of getting COVID-19 is the worry, not the vaccine. I see it as people's civic duty to Hong Kong to get vaccinated. If people love Hong Kong, they should help us to get back to normal by helping society to reach herd immunity. That comes, as I say, from uh, LP. Uh, many thanks for that. Many thanks to uh, all uh, our comments this morning. And uh, Mike uh, says, uh, coming back, uh, says, uh, it's becoming... Most obvious that Hugh never misses an opportunity to be a smart aleck. Don't forget to notify your boyfriend so that he can join you in criticising my criticisms, LOL. That's from Mike. Thank you very much indeed for that. Mike, uh, and thank you very much indeed to Professor Benjamin Cowling, uh, Head of the Division of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the University of Hong Kong, School of uh, Public Health. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you to uh, Mark Hedegar, Acting CEO at uh, Overlow Hotels. And earlier we also talking to uh, Dr Andrew Wong, a specialist in infectious disease. Um, thanks uh, one and all for joining us this morning. Finally today, uh, as mentioned, we wanted to turn to the uh, fire which broke out on Sunday in the uh, typhoon shelter uh, in Abu 
Aberdeen. At least 20 vehicle, uh, sorry, vessels were uh, sunk, uh, uh, many damaged uh, as well. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, some uh, authorities have uh, talked about structural problems uh, in marinas. Uh, what are they getting at? Uh, Paul Zimmerman joins us now. He's a Southern District Councillor, CEO of Designing Hong Kong. Uh, Paul, good morning to you. Morning, you. Uh, I know you, you've you've expressed interest in in the question of marinas and the number of births uh, and so on in the past, which is why I, I, I thought of uh, you when when this arose. Um, uh, you know what is the problem? Uh, it seems like the way this fire spread uh, indicates that there is a problem. Uh, what what is the problem in in uh, in Aberdeen, and is it typical of um, the uh, situation in other marinas? Well, there have been uh, a lot, just a, the. Uh the track record of fires in in marinas and typhoon shelters is quite long, and uh, just just over the you know we had a, a fire on 18 July 2020 in Aberdeen. We had uh, large fires in the Kuntong typhoon shelter in 2020. Both both sunk. We've had uh, fires in the Shaoke Wan typhoon shelter in 2015 and 2019. With quite a number of boats sunk. So we we have fire issues, fire safety issues in the typhoon shelters. That is that is uh, that's a fact and. By what has happened so far, um, the uh, Aberdeen situation this weekend was even probably even more telling. Um, there the, quite a number of boats on fire in the early morning hours, and um, then as the fire services looked to have some control over it, more boats got on fire, and, and it kept going throughout the night. So the fire service was unable to contain the fire, um, and and from my um, uh, conversations with people that were awake and and uh, observing what was going on that night uh, from uh, from the Aberdeen Boat Club and other uh, uh, venues um, was that the fire services did not have the right equipment. Uh, the fire services boat that is out there cannot maneuver in Aberdeen Harbour. It cannot get to, to the fire. It's too large and unable to get close to and, and contain the fire that that breaks out. Um, and the second problem is that it's, it's congested in Aberdeen Harbour. The boats are laying very close to each other, um, which is a result of uh, a long-standing problem that we don't have enough typhoon shelter close to the urban areas, um, and there's a, a, especially in, in Aberdeen, because Aberdeen has been the, um, uh, the typhoon shelter that was used to move the vessels to from Causeway Bay, when in Causeway Bay uh, the tunnel works took place. So... Uh, they've tightened up the uh, uh, the, uh, the spaces, put them more closer together, so they could squeeze more boats in. Uh, in about ten years ago, and uh, so boats are laid very close in the Aberdeen Typhoon Shelter. Um, hello, Paul. Um, is it also Morning, because the um, the burning vessels they they just tip onto their side, and so this fire spreads more quickly? So uh, I mean, if that's uh, true, no, then then it's a structural it's, problem. Isn't uh, it? the, the, the boats. So uh, uh, the boats are made of material that can easily burn uh, uh, or melt. Um, the, the second thing is that the boats carry fuel. Um, and when the, uh, the integrity of the boat is, is damaged by fire, the, the, fuel, the fuel can leak onto the water um, and, 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 and spread over the water and then carry the fire to nearby boats. Um, many of the boats also have a gas tank on board uh, for cooking purposes. And so the gas tank can explode. So, um, so they're basically small floating bombs. Um, as, as soon as the, um, as soon as the, as, the, as there is a fire, and the integrity of a boat is, is damaged, then it becomes uh, 
um, an incendiary item that can explode and, and uh, put other boats on fire. So uh, it's important to be able to get to a fire quickly with a small vessel, uh, which the fire services don't have, and then they have to have the ability to pull that, uh, the burning vessel away from other vessels um, as it, uh, if they can't contain the fire quick enough. We had a message uh, yesterday from uh, Tim who said, for too long officials have turned a blind eye to the Class 4 pleasure boat licence being abused to facilitate permanent residence in what are clearly unsafe conditions. And I've seen other commentators uh, saying that it's you, you, basically you're not allowed to live uh, permanently on, on board a boat in the way that people seem to do in Aberdeen and, and other marinas. Is, is that correct? Do you know about the legality of that? Well, the, the issue of uh, liverboards is, is long-standing um, and the Marine mm. Department has has gone after the issue of, of, uh, of people living on, on board in all the various marina. Uh, Discovery Bay Marina got closed down uh, and, and, and did a renovation. They, they pushed all the liverboards out. Um, so over time, the liver, I, I believe that the liverboard situation has has gone down. Uh, but there is, there, is, there is a concern, of course, that, that if you have fire safety issues and people are going to be on board, that you don't have to... Are, are you allowed to live on board a boat in Hong Kong? No. In a marina? No, there's, I believe there's two vessels registered as residential vessels in Hong Kong. Uh, the last two remaining uh, from uh, a long history in Hong Kong of, of vessels you could reside on. Uh, but there have been no new permits or licenses of vessels where you could reside on. Do you think that that contributed, people living on board them, contributed to this fire? Well, I'm not sure that it contributed to the fire. Um, uh, you know, the people can be on board for a barbecue party, as, as indicated here, and the people on board legitimately not staying overnight, but have a late night party. Um, but the, uh, the, the, the issues, of course, that when people live on board and there is a fire, that you don't have people at risk, uh, kids uh, uh, living on board. So the issue of risk, uh, fire risk in vessels and the ability to control fire in a typhoon shelter, mm. um, the, uh, the increases. So you know, one one big issue is for the fire services department to have smaller vessels. So the other bigger thing is to really enlarge the area of the typhoon shelter. Is that uh, an opportunity in Aberdeen to do that? The, uh, we've, we've long called for uh, increasing the typhoon shelters in, in Hong Kong, especially those close to urban areas, because there's a large demand for people to, to go and enjoy the waters and, and, and have a boat of some sort. And not being confined to the uh, to the to the very few and expensive uh, marinas that run privately, so uh, the Aberdeen Typhoon Charter we have to see the government in its latest policy address and in their Invigorate Island South has has a line item in there on uh, growing the typhoon shelter, putting in new breakwaters and making it larger, which is really good that that is going to happen uh, hopefully soon, especially now after this, so we can spread the boats out and uh, have more of a buffer between them. Okay, um, thanks very much. Jay says in an email, it seems incredible that there were no fire extinguishers lying around. 
the same in the fire department. Why don't they use fire extinguishers? Or is this a situation you have fire pipes for firefighting, but powder extinguishers not used? That comes uh, from uh, Jay. Thanks very much in, indeed for that. One more comment. Uh, we'll say goodbye now to uh, Paul Zimmerman. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Southern District Councillor, CEO of uh, Designing Hong Kong. Ted on Facebook says, let the elderly caller know he has to do two more COVID tests after he is released. I think that's uh, that was addressed to uh, Jim. Uh, and uh, Mike says... Uh, this is the subject line is direct from the CDC. Mike says uh, 4,115 vaccinated people have died, comma, been hospitalized with COVID-19 breakthrough infections, CDC. That's from Mike. Thanks very much indeed. Uh, one and all, Ada, thank you very much indeed. Here's the weather before we go. Sunny intervals and a few showers, isolated thunderstorms around this morning and a maximum temperature today of about 31 degrees. And there'll be sunny intervals and a few showers in the next couple of days. Very hot during the day over the weekend. 30 Celsius now. Relative humidity is at 80%. Amid the pandemic, we still need to carry on our work and daily lives. All of us wish to stay healthy and avoid being infected. Vaccination is one of the most effective ways to protect yourself and your family. It also helps us resume normal life earlier. Protection starts 14 days after the second dose. Remember to maintain personal hygiene and wear a mask. Protect yourself and others. Let's get vaccinated. 9.33, the news now with Samantha Butler. Epidemiologist Benjamin Cowling says he expects a more contagious Delta variant of COVID-19 to be prevalent around the world within a few months. Hong Kong has announced a ban on flights from the UK where the variant is prevalent. University of Hong Kong Professor Cowling said recent studies showed waves of infections were introduced here by just a handful of cases. Former RTHK radio host Alan Au has accused the public broadcaster of exhausting its administrative powers to remove voices it doesn't like. He was speaking on commercial radio a day after he was dropped from the evening current affairs show Open Line, Open View. And residents of the Australian city of Perth have been ordered to stay home for four days as the contagious Delta COVID variant spreads. There's only three positive cases, but local health officials have always been cautious. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. 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 How are you? Not too bad at all. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. You never Facebook chat with me? Phil? Good morning. He's got the Tom and Jerry type vibe. It's a great experience if you just want to get a bit of zing. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to Wednesday. Back again for more, because it's Tuesday. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, with July the 1st approaching, it's time, once again, for the Hallelujah Music Festival. It's been happening for a few years, and it's brill. And it's happening from tomorrow until Sunday. Organiser and Sleeves frontman Keith Goodman's going to join me in half an hour or so to invite you. After 10.30, Jared Watt with us for this week's Aussie session. And at 11.10, Dr. Merrin Pierce is going to be talking about food surplus, food waste, and what we can do to reduce it, and also what he learned from his 